Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Friday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. So we learned in our last two lessons that Abraham's long-awaited son Isaac plays a key role in God's covenant. The plan of redemption moves through him, not Ishmael. But in Genesis 22, that we covered on Monday and Wednesday, God said to Abraham, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. That was a stunning demand. As we learned, the sacrifice of Isaac's story was fraught with ambiguity and narrative gaps. Indeed, the German literary critic Erich Auerbach observes in his classic Mimesis, The Representation of Reality in Western Literature, that the narrative strategy employed in this story, a strategy of creating deliberate ambiguity and narrative gaps, demands that readers bring their own interpretation to the text, constantly reevaluating and revising it as active participants in the narrative, engaging the text as educated readers of scripture. Now that is very sophisticated storytelling, and we tackled it on Monday and Wednesday. Now, if God's plan of redemption and his covenant with Abraham are to be fulfilled, Isaac needs a wife and children. But at 40 years old, he's still single, living at home. Huh, a failure to launch. So we need a plan, a matchmaker, a yenta, and we need one quickly. In the wake of the sacrifice of Isaac story that we just studied, a traumatic story on many levels for everyone involved, we should look closely at the relationships in Abraham's household. Of course, Abraham had expelled Hagar and Ishmael from his home many years ago, and if we understand that Isaac was in his early 30s in the binding or sacrifice story, Hagar and Ishmael have been gone for a good 25 years or more. Yet, Ishmael seems to have kept well informed about his father Abraham, even though Ishmael lives with his Egyptian wife and children in the wilderness of Paran. When Abraham dies at 175 years old, 75 years after the birth of Isaac and 89 years after the birth of Ishmael, both Isaac and Ishmael appear in Hebron for Abraham's burial, which we'll witness in Genesis chapter 25. Now, as far as we know, Ishmael had no contact with Abraham or his family during that interval. And what, if anything, did Abraham tell Sarah about the aborted sacrifice of Isaac on Mount Moriah? We don't know. Another gap in the story. Sarah is never mentioned in the sacrifice of Isaac story. So presumably, she knew nothing about it. But it's likely that she would have learned about it afterwards. Abraham and Isaac went through a very traumatic experience, and there were servants present throughout the journey to and from Mount Moriah. And servants talk. We only know 
that between the sacrifice of Isaac's story and Sarah's death shortly afterward, Sarah is silent. She of whom God said, listen to her voice, never again speaks. And what of Isaac? As we later read of Israel's suffering servant, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. We know nothing of Isaac's relationship with his father before the sacrifice story, for the last we saw Isaac was at his weaning. He was only a few years old. After the sacrifice or binding story, we see plenty of both Abraham and Isaac, but tellingly, Isaac never utters a word to his father, nor does his father speak to him. In the dark shadow of the aborted sacrifice, it seems a cruel irony that Isaac's name means laughter. And yet, the covenant's promise of redemption will pass through Isaac. But at 40 years old, Isaac has no wife and no child. Indeed, he lives apart from Abraham in the Negev at Beer Liharoi, apparently alone in his dead mother's tent. Well, Abraham must act if the covenant is to be fulfilled. So, we read in Genesis 24, Abraham said to his senior servant, the senior servant of his household who had charge of all his possessions. Put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live, but that you will go to my own land and to my relatives to get a wife for my son Isaac. So concerned that Isaac will have no heir, Abraham enlists his senior household servant, Eleazar of Damascus, to find a wife for Isaac among Abraham's own people, those, those who continued living in Haran after Abraham, Sarah, and Lot had left back in Genesis chapter 12. And Abraham <laughs> makes Eleazar swear an oath by placing his hand under Abraham's thigh. Great medieval rabbi Rashi says this is Abraham's milha, his organ of circumcision, which bears the sign of the covenant and is the instrument of procreation. So Eleazar takes an oath on the great patriarch Abraham's family jewels. Now that is a serious oath. The servant asks him, but what, what if the woman is unwilling to follow me to this land? Should I then take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham told him, no, no, never take my son back there for any reason. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and the land of my relatives and who confirmed by oath the promise he made to me, I will give this land to your descendants. He will send his angel before you and you will get a wife for my son there. If the woman is unwilling to follow you, will be released from this oath, but never take my son back there. So the servant put his hand on the family jewels of Abraham, and he swore to him concerning this matter.
So Eleazar now heads north to Haran. About 660 miles north. Arriving in Haran, the servant then took 10 of his master's camels, bearing all kinds of gifts from his master, he made, made his way to the city of Nahor up there in Haran. And near evening, when he arrived, at the time when the women go out to draw water, he made the camels kneel by the well outside the city. Now, Nahor is like a town or village on the outskirts of Haran, named after Abraham's brother, Nahor. It's near evening, the time when women go out to draw water. Keep that in mind. When women are at the well, it's always evening, not morning. Evening is when the women gather, draw water for the next day. They socialize, they talk, the children play. That will be important all the way through scripture, the women at the wells. And notice that Eleazar has with him 10 camels loaded with gifts. Eleazar will seek hospitality in Haran. And as we learn, hospitality, or zenia in Greek, obligates the guest to bring gifts for the host, especially if the guest is seeking a wife for his master's son. So then he said, Lord God of my master Abraham, let it turn out favorably for me today and thus deal graciously with my master Abraham. While I stand here at the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water, if I say to a young woman, please lower your jug that I may drink, and she answers, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Then she is the one whom you've decided upon for your servant Isaac. In this way, I will know that you have dealt graciously with my master. Well, that will be a sign of gracious hospitality indeed. Just the sort of woman who would draw water for Eleazar and his ten camels she would make a pretty darn good wife. Now here are a few fun facts you should know about camels. A camel lives 40 to 50 years. A full-grown adult camel stands six feet tall at the shoulder and seven feet tall at the hump. Camels can run 40 miles per hour in bursts faster than a Kentucky Derby horse. Camels have oval rather than round blood cells that makes them better than other mammals at withstanding high osmotic variation without rupturing when drinking large amounts of water. And an adult camel can drink 50 gallons of water in three minutes. I'll bet you never knew any of that. 50 gallons of water in three minutes. Can you imagine what 10 camels drinking together sounds like? Now, Eleazar had scarcely finished speaking when Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, came out with a jug of water on her shoulder. The young woman was very beautiful, a virgin untouched by a man. She went down to the spring and filled her jug, and as she came up, the servant ran toward her and said, Please give me a sip of water from your jug. Drink, sir, she replied. And quickly lowering the jug into her hand, 
she gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they've finished drinking. Well, with that, she quickly emptied her jug into the drinking trough, ran back to the well to draw water until she had drawn enough for all 10 camels. All 10 camels? 10 camels drinking 50 gallons of water in three minutes? That's 500 gallons of water. And can you picture those camels snorting and bumping at each other to get at it? Why, she's going to be busier than a one-armed paper hanger. Well, the man watched her the whole time. Notice Eleazar didn't lift a finger to help. Silently waiting to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing half a shekel, two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels each for her wrist. Then he asked her, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please. And is there a place in your father's house for us to spend the night? Well, she answered, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. We have plenty of straw and fodder, and also a place to spend the night. The man then knelt and bowed down to the Lord, saying, Oh, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not let his kindness and fidelity toward my master fail. As for me, the Lord has led me straight to the house of my master's brother. Then the young woman ran off and told her mother's household what had happened. So we were introduced to Rebecca in a short genealogy that followed the binding of Isaac or the sacrifice of Isaac story, foreshadowing this event. We read, Sometime afterward, the news came to Abraham, Milcah too has borne sons to your brother Nahor. Uz is firstborn and his brother Buzz. <laughs> Uz and Buzz, the two boys. Kamuel, the father of Aram, Hesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jinlef, and Bethuel. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor. So we learn about Rebecca in that little genealogy right after the Binding of Isaac story and right before the death of Sarah. Now, Rebecca had a brother named Laban, Uncle Laban. And Laban rushed outside to the man at the spring. And when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, and when he heard Rebecca repeating what the man had said to her, he went to him while he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Oh, come, blessed of the Lord, why are you standing outside when I've made the house ready, as well as a place for the camels? Oh, please, please, come in. Well, Uncle Laban had seen ten camels loaded with gifts, clearly the chief servant of a very wealthy man, and he had an eligible daughter. Oh, that Uncle Laban, watch out for him. He has his eye on an opportunity. And he knows one when he sees it. The nose rings, the bracelets, the whole train of camels. Oh, Laban's a sly fellow, as we'll soon learn. 
So the man went inside, and while the camels were being unloaded and provided with straw and fodder, water was brought to bathe his feet, and the feet of the men who were with him. But when food was set before him, he said, I will not eat until I've told my story. Go ahead, they replied. And that's part of Zania, part of hospitality. Honor the guest with a bath, with food, with a sumptuous dinner, and then have the guest tell his story. Not before, not before offering Zania, but at the banquet. We see the very same thing happening in the Odyssey. So Eleazar recounts the whole story of Abraham sending him to Haran to get a wife for Isaac. Meeting Rebekah at the well, her offering him water and then watering the camels, giving Rebekah the gifts, thanking the Lord for his success in finding an eligible wife for Isaac from Abraham's own family. And then Eleazar puts the offer of marriage on the table. Laban and Bethuel said in reply, oh, This thing comes from the Lord. We can say nothing to you, either for or against it. Here's Rebecca right in front of you. Take her and go, that she may become wife of your master's son, as the Lord has said. Oh, here. Here's our, here, here, here she is. Take her. She's yours. Well, that was quick. Laban and his father Bethuel realized they won the lottery. Yes, they chimed. Go, take her. Didn't I tell you Laban was sly? When Abraham's servant heard their answer, he bowed to the ground before the Lord, and then he brought out objects of silver and gold and clothing and presented them to Rebekah. He also gave costly presents to her brother and mother, and after he and the man with him had eaten and drunk, they spent the night there. So the hospitality goes on as planned. And the next morning, Eleazar prepares to leave, but Laban and Rebekah's mother ask for a 10-day delay. Hmm. After sleeping on it, do you think Laban might want to up the ante? And when Eleazar begs off, they say, oh, let's ask Rebecca. Well, what a novel idea. Hey, let's ask the girl. Well, Rebecca's chomping at the bit, eager to go. So her family sends her off with a blessing. Sister, may you grow into thousands of myriads and may your descendants gain possession of the gates of their enemies. And with that, Rebecca and her attendants mount the camels and Eleazar leads them on the 660-mile journey south toward the Negev and toward Isaac. It's a long journey. The ancient Silk Road that stretched from China to the eastern Mediterranean coast had caravanserais, inns to host travelers at 20 to 25-mile intervals, a day's journey. If Eleazar, Rebecca, and company traveled at about the same pace, the 660-mile journey would take roughly one month. And I'll bet along the way, Rebecca asked Eleazar a lot of questions about Isaac. Is he nice? What does he look like? Oh, he's not bald, is he? Does he have a nice home? Meanwhile, Isaac had gone from Berleheroi and was living in the region of the Negev. One day toward evening, he went out to walk in the field and caught sight of camels approaching. 
Rebecca too caught sight of Isaac. Got down from her camel. She asked the servant, Ooh, who's that man over there walking through the fields toward us? Very handsome fellow. And Eleazar replied, That's my master. And then she took her veil and covered herself. Oh, can't you just hear, hear the romantic music playing as they run toward each other across the field? And then Isaac brought Rebekah into the tent of his mother, Sarah. He took Rebekah as his wife. Isaac loved her and found solace after the death of his mother. Now that speaks volumes about Isaac. His silence and isolation after his binding or aborted sacrifice, his mother's death, and perhaps something about his relationship with his father Abraham. So I wonder how it will turn out for Isaac and Rebecca. Don't know. That seems to have turned out just fine for Abraham. For we read in Genesis 25, 1 through 6, Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimron, Yakshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Yakshan became the father of Sheba and Dadan. The descendants of Dadan were a whole list of people. All these were descendants of Abraham and his second wife, Keturah. Abraham gave everything that he owned to his son Isaac. To the sons of the concubines, however, he gave gifts while he was still living as he sent them away eastward to the land of Kedem, away from his son Isaac. So Abraham is protecting Isaac. Well, God did say he'd make Abraham exceedingly fruitful, and Abraham's well north of 100 years old and had a whole passel of other children. The whole span of Abraham's life was 175 years. Then he breathed his last, dying at a ripe old age, grown old after a full life, and he was gathered to his people. His sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah in Hebron of today. After the death of Abraham, God blessed his son Isaac, who lived near Beer Lehiroi. So there's something very sad about the ending of this story. Hagar and Ishmael were rejected and exiled from Abraham's home when Abraham was about 102 years old after Isaac's weaning. Seventy-three years have passed, and Ishmael has seen neither his father nor his brother Isaac. Now, with the death of Abraham, Ishmael shows up for the burial. Clearly, he had received regular news of his father and brother, for he knows of Abraham's death, and he gets from the wilderness of Paran to Hebron immediately. You have to wonder about the awkward arrival and what he and Isaac talked about. Something to ponder until our next lesson, our next episode of Scripture Uncovered. Hey, thank you for being with me. 
and uh, make sure you you join up in the Job course. We'll have a great time together, especially on our Saturday morning Zoom sessions. Hope to see you there. Bye-bye now. <laughs> <laughs>